Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. I'm your host, David Strausser, and welcome to another episode of Shark Bite Biz, the best place to learn how small businesses and the experts that help them, how they've made their pivots during the global coronavirus pandemic. We are in a time where supply chains are stressed. They are being challenged and are extremely strained. So we're going to jump in and start discussing the trends on the current market. What's up? What's down? And truthfully, there's some crazy trends right now. Commerce, for example, it's blowing up for most businesses. Some things that you think may be up are actually on a downward trend. It's a very, very strange time right now. So what we're going to do is just dig in to a deep level of discussion around logistics. Like, who is your supplier's supplier? I mean, think about it. Where do the products that you depend on, okay, the people that make something that is critical for your business, where do they get the materials to build that product that they send you? Supply chain disruption is real, and it is at its highest risk right now. Therefore, today, we're going to discuss about some manufacturing, some distribution, some best practices, and also how technology, like what I specialize at with Vision 33, can really help fix most of your issues. Regardless, if you are a three-person company, maybe doing one, two, three million a year in revenue, or if you're a 500 employee business or a 5,000 employee business, people like today's guest and myself are the exact subject matter experts that you'd be engaged with to help you solve your problems. We're the people that can help you break through the barriers preventing growth. So what are we going to talk to today? I got to tell you, it is one of my favorite people in the whole world. In fact, the very last executive luncheon event that I did out in Los Angeles. Remember, my executive luncheon events, we called those the anti-luncheon. It was the anti-seminar. I mean, we served dessert first. That's how we rolled, and it was pretty awesome. She was actually one of the guest speakers at my very last event out in L.A., I love her. She is amazing. Her name, Lisa Anderson. Lisa is the founder and president of LMA Consulting Group, a consulting firm that specializes in manufacturing strategy and end-to-end supply chain transformation that maximizes the customer experience and enables profitable, scalable, dramatic business growth. She has been named in the top 46 most influential in supply chain by SAP, a top 40 B2B tech influencer by the Arketi Group, and a top 50 ERP influencer by Washington Frank. And, you know, I got to add right here, sorry, but I was also on the same list there with Lisa. 
we are both in that top 50 ERP influencer list by Washington Frank. She also recently published a brand new book, Future Proofing Manufacturing and Supply Chain Post COVID 19. It's an ebook on all the emerging and thriving post-COVID-19 trends. I actually have a copy of it right here. She was so gracious to send me it. I have not read the whole thing yet, but it is pretty gnarly. And you can see right here with these page, Trade and Global Logistics, Manufacturing. It's a great, great book. Make sure we'll link to it in the description of the video. You've got to check this out. So I'm going to shut up now. I know you guys are tired of hearing me talk all the time. Let's just bring Lisa on in here. Business strategy. Lisa, it's been such a long time. So glad to see you. Welcome to Shark Bite Biz. Hey, I'm glad to be here. No problem. We're glad you're here. <laughs> so very first question that we ask everybody, because our audience is dying to know, who are you? Tell us about your experience and your background, please. All right. Well, I'm a former vice president of operations and supply chain for mid-market manufacturer. I've been consulting for the last 15 years with clients throughout the globe, really, based in uh, Southern California. And uh, my focus is on manufacturers and distributors to help them improve their profitability and their revenue growth with their service to their customers. Oh, that's great. Yes, that's why I love bringing you in here because both my main job with Vision 33 has a lot of crossover with what you do, right? Absolutely. So we're both kind of in both work the same time. Right. We're both kind of in the ERP world. For listeners who don't know what that is, it's enterprise resource planning, giving these automation and efficiency tools, essentially a single system with SAP for me that allows customers to manage your business in one central location from A to Z, essentially. And, you know, really, I wanted to bring you in here because I really enjoy talking to you all the time. You're a wealth of knowledge, but we're going through a tough time, you know, the challenges that we're facing because of this global pandemic on businesses in a multitude of areas, supply chain to just being able to deliver products to their customers. It's pretty tough. What kind of challenges have you seen that oh, well, have come uh, out of this global pandemic? Oh, well, it's, uh, it's extreme for sure. And it's very different by client. So I have clients ranging from the food and beverage industry industry to building products, aerospace and defense. And, you know, it's not even consistent among those industries. So like aerospace and defense, clearly um, commercial aerospace is suffering because no one's flying, uh, whereas defense is pretty much staying even. On right. the other hand, food, which would seem like it'd be up, it very much depends who the customer's customer is, you know, who, who, right. who is the customer customer? Because uh, if it's one of my clients services Starbucks and they close down most of the locations and no one was going into the stores that that volume dropped off. On the other hand, they also serve Costco and you know that volume went through the roof. And so e-commerce is really popular too. Yeah. I mentioned this during a few episodes that I've recorded, but at Vision 33, we're getting a lot of demand from customers that through traditional life cycles of a business, like how the economy was, let's just say 2015 to 2019, they would probably be maybe two years away from 
getting a system like SAP Business One. But now because of the lockdown, we're getting a lot of calls that people like, hey, we used to do, I don't know, 150 orders a week through e-commerce. Now we're doing 15,000 and we need help and we need help yesterday. Have you seen that, I guess, with those businesses like you were explaining? Absolutely. One of my clients had probably uh, a few percentage points of their business in e-commerce, and they've seen it grow to uh, 10% of their overall business, and they're a long-established company that's $50 million in revenue. So that that's a significant jump. Uh, with that said, though, across every single client, the only thing that's in common is, there, is e-commerce. So if right. they have an e-commerce arm, that arm is up across the board with every single client. In uh, another client that is focused on e-commerce, they apply motorcycle helmets and those okay. kinds of products. They've noticed that their orders have you know doubled, quadrupled, but the quantity per order has gone down. So okay. it, it's a lot more to manage. So as you're saying, you know they're in need of systems and processes that support that increased volume. Yeah. So what kind of practices can can these companies do? to get ahead of the customer demand. That is actually the most important thing that clients can do to successfully manage, navigate through COVID is get ahead of where their customer demand is. So what that means is it's not really sufficient, but start with your customers because talking to your customers is a good place to go. (laughs) But then you really need to find out what's going on beyond that. So Every customer has, you know, get to the point of the end customer. So that could be, you know, depends on your industry here. But in the healthcare world, it could be a patient. Uh, in the food and beverage, it's going to be, you know, a consumer like you or you or me. Uh, so it, it's ideal to get to the end customer, but all of the folks along the way, what does their supply chain look like? And the volume is just dramatically different based on who the customer's customer customer is. Oh, yeah. When you say that, it makes me think like, oh, wow. When you look at a customer, how many levels deep is their, their BOM and stuff like that? I always think about that. But yeah, it, it's kind of like how many degrees down? I mean, it, it, it's a real trickle effect. One thing I think I want to clarify, though. So when you said earlier, when you gave us your experience, Experience. And you were saying about how you've been in consulting for many years. You actually have your own consulting agency, right? Correct. I have a company called LMA Consulting Group. I work with clients across multiple industries and company sizes. I work small family-owned businesses as well as private equity-backed and a large complex uh, organization. Okay. So. And that's actually why I wanted to clarify that for the listeners because I think you're in a good position considering the variety of customers you have from smaller, maybe mom and pops or a step above a mom and pop to large multinational corporations, you have a good variety of clients that you've worked for. And I think that will help frame this next question up pretty nicely, having that contact. And that is, what are your most successful clients doing then to navigate the supply chain disruptions? Well, it is uh, it is a trick right now. So actually, the, the first thing they're doing is what we talked about earlier, and that is proactively going into their the customer side of the supply chain and better understanding the demand. So, you know, it's been a long tradition where we've done programs like vendor managed inventory on the customer side of the equation. And people who are doing that are more familiar with what's happening real time. So that's one. But then on the supply side, it's equally 
important in the sense that no matter if you have volume or you don't have volume, you have to start there. With that said, if you can't supply the volume, you are going to lose your customers really quickly. Oh, and in yeah. today's environment, there is a ton of disruption going on. You may have thought you had a good handle on your supply base, but do you know, similar to the customers, do you know who your supplier's suppliers are? Right. Uh, just because they've been able to supply you in the past, by no means means that they will continue to supply you in the future because you they may not be in the best financial position. They may not have enough cash available. Who their suppliers are. They may are not is have coins. They may not have coins. <laughs> <laughs> they may be in Asia and right. you know, they have different issues. Um, there's transportation challenges. So understanding who your suppliers are, the risks that you have to manage, but don't getting so sidetracked on understanding every little detail. Like it's the, it's the 80, 20 It's focusing in on the priorities and your priority materials, ingredients. That's actually really, really good point that you just made there about the 80, 20 and how I, I think a lot of people, especially if their personality type is more analytical, they, and uh, maybe they overanalyze, over overjudge, and I, I think that's also a risk too, because then you end up disqualifying somebody who actually is a really good fit. You know, you're just over overanalyzing them, and you're pretty much kicking them out when you shouldn't be. Oh, that's very true. Actually, I can tell you, as like you said, I work with a wide variety of clients that analysis paralysis is a Bad oh, attribute. <laughs> I love that term. That okay. might be on the uh, YouTube slide. Analysis paralysis. That's awesome. <laughs> right. No, it's, it's absolutely an issue. And to your point, you can get so caught up in all these details. And that's true on the demand side, too. Oh, yeah. You miss what's really going on. In today's world, I do believe in check and understanding your historical patterns, but it's even more important to just go out there and talk to the customers and talk to your suppliers. What are they doing? Are you gaining comfort with what they're doing or not? Because you might get a feel for that and really just digging into it. By no means should you make a decision based on data alone, especially in today's environment, because it's based on data that's no longer even valid. Right. And that's an extremely important point. The data that is for today isn't true. I mean, I, I just saw an article about how it may be harder to get sodas because there's an aluminum shortage. Yes, and, absolutely. You know, when's the last time we had an aluminum shortage? Like World War II, probably? I don't know when. It's, it's not common, but right now, I mean, I think people, even us, we never eat canned food. You know, my wife is Peruvian and she's used to making everything from scratch every single day. That's how she grew up. That's how she lived her life. And even us, because we couldn't find fresh fruits, vegetables, things like that were decent quality. We found ourselves buying things like canned foods, like what yeah. if, just in case we should grab this stuff. And I guess that kind of adds in to the consumption that there's a higher demand for those products now that they're normally isn't. Yes, it, the volatility is quite extreme. And you don't really know. I mean, it's clear that PPE is going to be in short supply. Uh, oh, yeah. Hand sanitizer is going to be hard to find. However, what, what's not clear is all the ingredients and materials that are in the extended supply chain that, that uh, supply those industries and 
you know, other, you know, like what transportation partners do they use? There's a lot of complications that can arise that you would have no idea would be an issue unless you're unless you're really on top of your supply chain partners and understanding what's important. Yeah, no, that's great. Especially when you just mentioned about the transportation partner, because for example, I just had a director on from UPS that was on here telling us about how she worked with UPS to make them very nimble and flexible to be able to ramp up the demand because of it essentially the whole world's counting on them, whether you live in Thailand and you're going through this or, you know, in the United States, you're counting on them to be able to get these products shipped and delivered on time. So that's pretty cool. One question going back to the flyer, supplier and those types of questions, like how good of a relationship should you have with them? And should you have a relationship with your supplier or supplier if you desperately need to make sure that they have the product that they need to produce your good? That is a really good question. I mean, I think it starts with having a, well, here's the other thing. From an 80-20 point of view, you have to think about your your supplier supplier because you cannot get with every single supplier in the same level of detail as you should the ones that are your key ingredients right. or materials, as well as the ones that might be scarce, meaning like only so many suppliers are able to supply them or are strategic to you. Right. So with that said though, for those materials that are in that category, they're critically important to your success. I would definitely recommend that you're very entrenched with your supplier. You understand their quality processes. You understand who their suppliers are. Then play it by ear because, you know, there's supplier conferences like in the old days, I guess, yeah. pre-COVID, where you bring in your suppliers and some of the supplier suppliers uh, and have conversations. Now, to some degree, you can do that same thing over uh, Zoom. Uh, mm-hmm. with or another platform. With that said, though, it's a good idea. Start with your supplier and make sure that you're digging enough and you're asking. I mean, you've Just built a relationship for many years. Yeah, don't take it for granted. Trust but verify, right? right. I mean, make sure that they, how deep are they going? That's the third time I've said that phrase today. Well, heard that phrase, trust but verify. It's been one of those days. <laughs> but <laughs> so let's, Pivot a little bit then. And, you know, what do you think in your experience? Again, vast variety of clients that you're working with. Where should clients focus their attention to really successfully emerge from this pandemic? Well, the key is what well, once you have a good picture of your supply chain and you are on top of it instead of like, it's on top of you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then the key there is to innovate. And I know that might sound strange in these times when everyone's thinking about hoarding and, um, you know, burying their head under the sand, yeah. perhaps. Well, a lot of companies uh, but- are going through digital transformation. So I, I, I would think, at least with companies I've talked to, that innovate is more on the top of their mind, actually. Well, that, that's that's encouraging because you're talking to the more successful uh, company. But the, <laughs> the more successful companies do innovate uh, right. during these times and they'll even invest. You're, you need to reevaluate your capital, your capital investments as well as all investments, but you should do it quickly. And uh, for example, like during the you know Great Depression, you know, the, I think the, I put my cereal story in my uh, ebook, but I think it's noteworthy is, is that cold cereal was like a new thing surprisingly, uh, back then. And uh, 
Kellogg's and Post uh, were in the in the race. And, you know, everyone else pretty much like said, let's stop all investments, let's conserve cash, etc. But, uh, you know, Kellogg's did the opposite and um, invested. And, uh, you know, not, of course, you have to be wise about what you're doing here, but invest <laughs> wisely in innovation and how in what what new products and services might your customers need? Because things are changing dramatically. So you you have to be thinking not about your customers today, but what is going to happen to them in the future? And what, not just what products and services, but what also, uh, you know, also how do you best support them in terms of a customer experience and where, what types of innovations will help you succeed as well as your customers succeed so that the, your whole chain is brought forward and, Right. When you're talking about it, you may as well look at your suppliers as well. So it's really it's really about innovation. Yeah. You know, it was funny when you were talking about cold cereal, my mind drifted off for a second and I'm like, wait a second, where the heck did cereal come from? Anyways, I don't know the history. (laughs) I've never thought about that in my life. So uh, I'm going to be on Wikipedia once this interview heads to (laughs) check that out. But Okay. Okay. So that's good. I think innovation is really key. And yes, I I mean, I'm talking to a lot of companies that are successful, but I think to your point, I think there's a lot of maybe old school type industries or maybe mom and pop type businesses that are just a little bit resistant to change, to the digital transformation or whatever it may be. And it's not because, oh, we don't like technology. It's more just the fear. It's new to them. It's a new practice. They're not used to this. They're used, you know, my my father owned a company, construction company for many years. And if we were going to work remotely, like, how's this going to work if you're not in the office? You know, I, I could just imagine having those discussions with with him. So I, I totally get what you mean there. And, you know, on on the topic, the digital transformation, innovation, stuff like that. I mean, what technologies do you feel are likely best to support a lot of these companies in the future? I mean, different industries, different solutions, obviously, but I think most people that'll listen to the show are probably going to be manufacturer distributors, you know, people that make or move products. Right. And, you know, there's a lot happening in the digital evolution as it relates to manufacturing and distribution. And it's really quite relevant because how do you deliver quickly uh, to consumers? And how do you design, you know, design a new product quickly? How, you know, how do you take all this into effect? So from that point of view, it's, you know, really the, for your uh, day job, this is a, a great thing. But, right. you know, ERP systems are not new per se. However, they, they're containing a lot of modern functionality and yeah. there's quite a bit of efficiency gains as well as moving to a whole new level, which is more innovative. You know, AI capabilities that are built in oh, yeah. to the, some of these systems AI, that are going to be BI. absolutely be. Uh, Talk about something that's very popular today. Yeah. I've had a lot of conversations about uh, business intelligence and uh, what uh, clients are finding that that's really quite critical. So how do you know yeah. and ca- capture your customers' trends quickly? Same thing on your supplier side. And, uh, and a, lot so of already, a lot of companies already have a lot of those key data points. I, You know, in my experience, the problem is they don't have anything built that can translate that raw data into actual useful 
actionable information for them. And that's where I think tools like business intelligence actually come into hand. Yeah, absolutely. Business intelligence, predictive analytics are extremely popular and they're not they should just gain, continue to gain in popularity because almost every client has plenty of data, more data than they really need. Now, they don't always have all the data that I would like them to have, like about <laughs> their customers' customers, but they have they have plenty of data. So it's right. more about how do we use that data to be efficient um, mm-hmm. and to to grow their business. And so how do you do both simultaneously? And uh, how do they increase cash flow with uh, less inventory tying up uh, their their supply chain? So from that point of view, it's it goes back to BI, it goes back to forecasting and, and some of the planning uh, capabilities that systems have. I'm also finding WMS is becoming more popular as folks are thinking about how to be more efficient as well. So oh, yeah. a lot of the ERP and peripheral, you know, built-in capabilities are important. Autonomous vehicles and some of those or autonomous um, vehicles from a warehousing point of view, but autonomous capabilities in general are Popular and of course, 3D printing. I mean, what's oh, better than yeah, printing up printing. your product right where you need it? I mean, it's not going to mm-hmm. be widespread for high volume situations, but it yeah, can be for, just perfect. It, it can be to make prototypes. I've seen a lot of customers yeah. that use it for quick prototyping just to be able to test something out before they send it for mass production. And just yep. for clarity, those who are listening, when when Lisa was saying WMS, that's warehouse management system. So a software that it, it could be standalone or it can work inside or alongside with an ERP system to help you manage your your whole warehouse. One question that I get a lot, and I think it mostly comes from my generation of people, when they look at ERP, they think, oh, this is dinosaur software. And then when we go into the sales cycle, no, we have to show them, no, this is hip, this is moderate. <laughs> it, it's really quite nimble and it's always getting better. Do you come up against that thought mentality at all? Yeah, well, not really about the software, but mm-hmm. in, in essence about the topic, because I right. think it's just that they're scared away by the ERP topic mm-hmm. because they hear horror stories from their friends. Right. And unfortunately, it's it's... Yes, and years past, absolutely. And so, really, it's it's obviously not just the software. The software has become much more agile, if you will, um, much more capable. Oh yeah. I mean, certainly much e-commerce. We talked about it. Flexible. I mean, you, in order to have customer portals for B two B and B two C, you know, you you really need all of these pieces to work together successfully. And oh, yeah. the modern systems have that capability. And we've gotten a lot smarter about how to implement it so that you can implement like uh you know your the one that you focus on sap uh, business one yep. is quite quick to uh you know you can you can implement a small a relatively small or medium-sized family business pretty you know rapidly and yeah, i mean uh, honestly it's i mean even some moderate complications i mean it, as long as you don't have a delay uh, usually on the client side, you know, they have resource constraints sometimes with smaller businesses. But when you get into instances that they don't and they're like, hey, we want the system up now. We have all the resources on our side. You guys throw resources at it. We can get them up usually four five, six months. More complicated ones, usually under a year, um, you know, and then it goes up from there. I mean, we have multi-year ones and everything else, too. 
It, so it, sure. it, it's quite a fun business to be in because you can really see how those solutions have evolved and grown over the years. Yeah, I mean, with the ERP software, it's really come a long way. It's getting easier, more flexible. And it used to be like, uh, no, you've got to have the infrastructure that would fit the solution. Now it's almost turned around to where it's like, okay, this is how you how your infrastructure is. We can make the software fit that. And that's not just with mine. I think in this realm, it's probably with most of the competition that we have as well, too. And I, I think that's really, really cool because it brings down, I think, the barrier for entry a lot lower because of that, allowing more businesses to take advantage of it. Absolutely. It's it absolutely the modern systems have, um, you know, take it to a whole new level so that ERP doesn't have to be that overwhelming obstacle to moving forward. And you can do it in a much more of an partial agile approach to how you implement so that you can, you know, be successful. Yeah, no, that totally, totally great. And I'm really excited to be in this in this field myself, as I know you are extremely passionate about it. So we do gotta start wrapping up and I have a probably like two questions or so to ask you. What do you think, because of how this global pandemic is, and it's not going to be over by September, it's not going to, probably won't be over by October or November. Who knows? We may even have this to start off 2021. We don't know at this point. How is that going to change our industry and what trends are we likely to see in manufacturing and the supply chain that may end up sticking around? Well, one we've talked about already is is really e-commerce is going to be continuing to be uh, strong for the foreseeable future. When when folks try out uh, the process, they become more comfortable with it. It'll stick around. Do you think that ends up another, brick and mortar at all? Uh, I think that brick and mortar is they're going to have a tough road forward. With that said, you know. People do want to to visit stores, but they're going to have to become more innovative into the making it more of a customer experience. You know, uh, I, than it is uh, currently. No, definitely, totally agree. And in fact, I kind of see it to where you know some brick and mortar stores are going to be closing. My favorite store is Men's Warehouse. I love my Men's Warehouse suits, and uh, they're they're great great clothes, good prices, but they're closing down, I think, 500 stores nationwide right now. And at first I was like, no, you know, retail is going to stink around here. But then as I started thinking, I, I think there's a good opportunity because it'll allow mom and pops to basically come in and start filling that void with innovative ideas that the dinosaur brick and mortar giants aren't nimble enough to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we were talking about earlier is the, the whole innovative side of this is you're absolutely right. The customer experience and co collaborating, well, collaborating with your customers and listening to your customers and and incorporating that into your future strategies is going to be critical. But also collaborating up and down your supply chain is has always been, we've been talking about it for a long time, but it's more, more of a real serious topic now. We're either, you're going to do that successfully, which also does relate to the digital transformation, or you're going to, um, you're just not going to succeed. So you, 
collaborating throughout your supply chain and leveraging technology to do it is critical. And then the last thing that I would say is certainly we have figured out the hard way in many cases that uh, having a source of supply that's only in one area, like for example, a lot of people's supply chain is in Asia, is, is not is not sufficient and it really wasn't thought through a hundred percent in terms of the risks associated with it and things have evolved you know like the price the cost structure has evolved total cost has evolved mm -hmm. so reshoring is definitely a popular topic and i think really with the agreements with uh in this part of the world it's really going to be more of a regional approach so like if you're looking at it from a global point of view production and manufacturing and sourcing is going to become more of a regional topic. With that said, in, in uh, our area, it's U.S. and Canada are included in this region. Right. Do you think that we should bring back more manufacturing than here just to have more security that we have the supplies that we need? Yes, uh, but it depends on what we're talking about. So right. you, you can always overreact in the opposite direction. You know, when, when everyone was outsourcing to China, I, I was in a VP of operations position and the board was always like, we need to outsource, we need to outsource, but whether they knew why, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, boards in general are smart, but they, you know, it's easy to get on the bandwagon and look at numbers uh, without looking at the total costs and, you know, right. like the, the whole picture, right? So we don't want to do that in reverse, but with that said, reshoring is going to make a lot of sense from a regional point of view, a quick you know, gaining the uh, a quick customer responsiveness. If the smart people are going to figure out how to gain customer responsiveness, and that's not only through reshoring, but that's one one element. And then critical materials, especially ones for national for defense for yeah, you know, of national interests, medical supplies. For sure, there's got to be some supply that is you know is is nearby and is is uh, in the US um, and it depends what it is. Sometimes it could be that it's in our new NAFTA, if you yeah. will. US MCA. You actually, exactly. see, you read my mind. My next question to end up was going to be a little bit about that as well too, because for many years I lived down in Tijuana, Mexico, and I was a big promoter of the uh, Cali Baja mega region, Baja Cali mega region, depending which side of the border one goes first. And, uh, you know, down there, because of NAFTA and now the USMCA, I mean, we would call it nearshoring because you're literally like right across the border in like the Otay section of Tijuana, where you have all the American factories. And, you know, it's really easy to get it into the US. Do you view that as a possible option for people looking to save cost manufacturing, but still keep it close to the U.S.? Well, well, absolutely. I mean, nearshoring and reshoring, it depends on which a lot of people interchange them. But in essence, both are going to be extremely popular. I think really what it is boils down to is you should make a smart decision. That doesn't mean you should do analysis paralysis, but you should do a quick, a quick assessment of what, what is smart for your industry. So, right. you know, certainly bringing back 
critical supplies, ones ones that are uh, important to you, because there are still things that can go wrong crossing any border. Mm-hmm. So uh, just trucks stolen. I mean, who knows what could happen? With that said, though, oh, yeah. there if you have a high labor component to your product, for sure, people are going to be looking at uh, Mexico, and they're a very wise choice. Uh, you know, and whereas Canada has uh, natural resources and other other benefits, oh, yeah. so I think it it depends on the situation. But I'm seeing a combination, and and I think we're going to collaborate more uh, together where products are made jointly as well. I hope so. And so I think it's going to be. You know, it's going to be more of a collaboration. Right. I I am very pro whoever can produce an item highest quality for near the cheapest price. And a lot of times, maybe that makes sense going to Asia and nothing against that. I'd be for that. But I think that we're losing opportunities to work with our neighbors, both north and south of our border, to where we could really keep a lot of that money here between us all. And, you know, it's like if Mexico gets richer, that benefits the U.S. just as if Canada does as well, too, because one good thing that America does have is a lot of innovation that does bleed over both of those borders. So I view that it comes full circle working with with both of those countries closer than it does with other ones. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. I think that there's going to be more and more collaboration going forward. And and it really, there are some things that make more sense to do uh, in the U.S. And there are some things that make more sense to do in a lower labor cost environment, you know, which would lead Mm -hmm. you to Mexico. So I think that's going to be looked at. The other thing is, I was just on a uh, video conference before this when sustainability uh, came into the mm-hmm. conversation. And, you know, some a little bit more of that was built into the USMCA right. agreements. But, uh, and from that point of view, technology plays into the effect too, because as we can do more that's closest to our customers, so now it depends on where your customers are. But if you can do more close, you know, the closest to your customers and innovate close to them and then be smart about how you source the rest of your materials, because what, one way or another, we're going to end up, whether it's a supplier or manufacturing or we're assembling, we're going to be doing something together. So it, it makes oh, yeah. a lot of sense to do that's, that. That's great. So you, as I said earlier, I love talking with you because you are a wealth of knowledge. You're you're just so on the point, experience. Um, I, I feel like every time I talk with you that I'm opening up a business of real, a real-time business encyclopedia. So, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> do you have any final words of advice for small business owners that are struggling right now? You know, anything you want to say before we head out? I definitely would encourage them to not just your suppliers and your customers, but your trusted advisors. I mean, surround yourself with the best people, the best suppliers, the best customers, and you know, look at those key relationships. And you will, um, you'll be quite successful. So I would, I would definitely lead them with the collaboration and don't be afraid of technology and don't be afraid of investing something small into this process, especially if you're going to come up, come out with a 10 to one, 20 to one uh, return. So, you know, maybe utilize some of your software to, you know, predict out their cash flow more effectively and Mm -hmm. uh, find a way to, you know, make it, make it a win-win. Yeah, definitely. That is some incredible uh, advice. And I was distracted for a brief moment because, you know, Lisa does have a book here. 
okay, <laughs> that I just so happen to have right here next to me <laughs> that I see every single day. And I will show it, you know, it is autographed for me. <laughs> but uh, we've done events previously in the past. Uh, do you want to mention anything about your book and how can people get in contact with you also? Absolutely. Well, I, I would love to do that. So you're right. I wrote a book. Um, I've been thinking and, you know, turning everyday thoughts into uh, opportunities in essence. And uh, you, they can get that book on Amazon or my website. It's lma-consultinggroup.com. I also wrote an ebook that, that is a free download uh, from my website on uh successfully emerging uh, from COVID and uh, what what they, they should be uh, thinking about uh, to uh, make sure that they emerge uh, successfully. But, you know, also it goes from function to function, department to department, and it goes through every department that's of relevance to a manufacturer or a distributor. Uh, and so I'd be happy to have you download that. That's uh, oh, yeah. on my homepage on my website so perfect please make sure you go out there and see lisa and i also noticed when i was looking at the books one of the books was personally uh for me i have somehow two copies somebody <laughs> left their copy at our previous event and it's autographed and in mint condition and by the time this episode publishes i am going to think of a creative way to get this out to one of the fans on trek by biz excellent okay. i love it <laughs> so hey thank you again as i said it's always a pleasure to talk with you and i really hope that you come back here in a few more months and we'll talk about how things have evolved since this july yeah i'd be happy to Perfect. Thank Excellent. you, Lisa. I'd be happy to do that. Yep. Thank you. It's okay. good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Bye-bye. Wowzers, what did you all think about that conversation with Lisa? Pretty amazing, right? It was really some good, deep stuff. Did you like the interview? If so, do me a favor and smash that like button right now on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening or watching this show. Smash that like button and show Lisa that you love her. Also, as promised, it's the book giveaway time. Do you want the autographed copy of the book I got from Lisa? It's an amazing read. It's an amazing read. You've got to check out our Facebook page. Look for the post on there and you'll see the instructions of how you can enter a chance to win that autographed book. So let's get back to Lisa. Some key points about what she said. Just because your supplier supplied you today, that doesn't mean that they can supply you tomorrow. How well do you know your supplier? How well do you know their supplier? Conversation is important. You can't just make a decision on data alone right now. You have to talk with them and you have to have some real discussions. You have to follow the chain. The data and the data trends aren't necessarily going to be true right now. It's a very volatile time. But you do have to balance it though. Don't get too crazily involved. You really kind of have to figure out and know where to draw that line. Be aware, though, there are going to be issues that come up at these times that you're probably not even thinking of because we are in such crazy times. And finally, I think one of the biggest points that we said, I think a few times during the conversation, was essentially trust but verify. 
trust your supplier, especially if you have a long history with them, but try to verify it. Verify that they're good financially. Verify that they're able to make it out of this, that their suppliers are good. And if you do that, you should be in a relatively good spot. I think another big point that came out of this conversation, and yes, both of us are a little bit biased because for our jobs, this is what we specialize in. I am a subject matter expert in helping small to mid-sized businesses grow via the promise of technology. That's exactly what Lisa does as well, too. So really need to look at having innovation not only help you but also help those around you make the companies that work with you make their lives easier as well using an erp or anything like that can really help your business digitally transform and that will make a huge drastic difference in how you operate the buzzwords ai bi artificial intelligence business intelligence they really are that critical need to be able to take the raw data and convert it into real information that gives you an accurate picture so you can make real-time business decisions. If you make or move products, though, having stuff like a WMS, warehouse management systems, it's necessary in these times. I mean, you should not be tracking your inventory in an Excel spreadsheet. If you are doing that, that is insane. You really need to get a solution that can help take your business to the next level. You're not going to be able to do that in Excel. It is costing you more money to use Excel to manage your business than actually implementing a full-blown new system. I mean, really think about it. With the time, energy, money, frustration, you're only as strong as the weakest link in the chain. And if you're using Excel... That is 100% the weakest link in the chain. Excel has some of its benefits, but it should not be the main place your business is living. I think one of the big underlying points that we didn't really say directly during the interview is that, yeah, we're using a lot of buzzwords. We're talking about getting ERP systems like SAP Business One or WMS solutions. We're talking about BI, we're talking about AI, all that fun stuff. But don't be scared of that. I think a lot of people, they hear that stuff and they're like, that's great. I can't afford that. That's not actually true. You can get enterprise level technology at a fraction of the cost. There are small to mid-sized business solutions out there Again, that's what I specialize in. That's what Lisa specializes in. There are affordable options out there. And I think the biggest thing is, too, you have to remember, you don't have to do everything at once. You are able to phase it in phases. And if you do that, it will make it much more manageable. I think one of the biggest mistakes I see during ERP implementations is that Companies, when they buy the system, they wanted to do everything from day one. So take it off in bite-sized pieces. Do it in phases. Maybe it stretches the project out a little bit longer, but it's going to allow you to start taking advantage immediately and getting that ROI as quick as possible. You're never too small for a solution that can allow your employees to focus on driving revenue instead of filling out spreadsheets. To be successful, you do need to upgrade your system and really get off of QuickBooks. It's probably time to take the next step up the ladder 
to move your business forward. So this was a pretty fun video, right? Really good conversation, a lot of good information. It's something that I really specialize in that we were talking about with this whole conversation. What did you think? What crazy logistics and manufacturing trends are you seeing? Leave a comment down below on this video or the podcast platform you're listening to and let's get a discussion going. Do you want to be a guest in the show? Do you have a good or great business story that you want to get out? Do you want to talk about how your business pivoted and what you did for success? Getting those words out there, it's not going to create more competition for you, but it's going to help give people ideas so that they can survive and then we can get through this all together by helping each other. Shoot me an email, david at sharkbitebiz.com. I'd love to have any and everybody on that wants to have their voice heard. I'll give you the platform to, to speak and tell your story. As always, please, please, please subscribe to the channel. We're a growing community. But if you really want to help us, please make sure you share the video. Get this out on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Send it out to your clients on your newsletter. Get it out so that we can help more businesses digitally transform and get through this pandemic. Thank you all again, and I'll see you all on the next episode. Till then. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story. 